to see all of you here today. We appreciate your presence. Glad that you've chosen to uh, begin your week in this fashion. We have several folks that are gone today. Uh, the, the young people, the youth group, are uh, in a uh, middle school, high school retreat, and so a bunch of those folks are gone today. Uh, the, many of the students in the School of Preaching are in Cary, North Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina, and they're uh, doing a lec- lectureship there, so uh, have a lot of folks gone and on the road. Keep them in your prayers. But uh, we're glad you're here, and today we want to bring to a close a, a series that we have been doing uh, for the last three or four weeks on um, people that we need in our lives. God never intended that we go it alone. God wants us and knows that we need people. And so we've tried to identify some types of people by biblical characters that we need in our life. We, we need a, a Barnabas, somebody who can encourage us and challenge us to greater heights of service. We need a, a Nathan who can correct us and steer us in the right direction when we get off path. We need a Jonathan who's interested, who's a friend, and who will tell us the things that we need to hear that will help us. We need a Rhoda. We talked about Rhoda, a young girl. Children. We need children in our life. They, they so reflect Jesus and God and their innocence. And um, we, we need a Zacchaeus. Someone who doesn't bring anything to us. Somebody that doesn't um, add anything to my life, but somebody that I need to show compassion toward and to learn the value of a soul and how much God loves all mankind. I need to learn compassion by those Zacchaeuses that I, I pull into my life. Well, those are some people that we need. And as I said, this is not just a, a series where, uh, you know, we're just going through some presentations. I want you to, to become those people for other people here, or I want you to find those people in the folks that are here as well and um, benefit from that. This morning is just a little bit different, but along the same line, because not only do you need people in your life, but you need a place in your life. Everybody needs a place, and I'll just call it Jerusalem. Everybody needs a Jerusalem. Where's your Jerusalem? In the passage that was just read in Luke chapter 19, 19, um, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, Excuse me, Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Listen to what it says. When he drew near, he saw the city and he wept. He wept over it. I often try to put myself in or at least try to throw myself back into the circumstances to try to feel or get a feel for what it was like or what the attitudes and, you know, just not just making the Bible just a, a cold letter to us but to try to go back and to try to, to share in the emotions of the things that were said and done. And when I see Jesus coming to Jerusalem prior to His crucifixion, as He sees that city, and as He walks closer and sees the walls of that city, He begins crying. Why, why would He do that? What is it about Jerusalem that stirs the emotions of Jesus to the point 
that he begins to weep. That's what the Bible says happened. And also, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 23 and look at what Jesus said. This is a parallel account, but in Matthew chapter 23, as Jesus comes to Jerusalem, he says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He said, see, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The reason Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem is he knows what's going to happen. This is a place that was dear to him. Jerusalem was a special place. Um, of all the places in the, the Bible, the, the city of Jerusalem takes prominence. It was a place where um, the temple of God was built. We're going to build a house for God, a place where we can worship God. Where are we going to put that? We're going to put it in Jerusalem. And so for centuries, Jerusalem was the central point of the religion of God's people. They came there, the men, three times a year to participate in the religion that God had given them and the rituals that were to be performed. Jerusalem was the capital city of God's people. It became known as the city of David. It was where Jesus would have gone and, and worshipped and spent much of His time there. And though it was not the hometown of Jesus or the hometown of David, it was both a, for both of them it was a, a very special place. And it was a place in the life of Christ that was able to stir His emotions. Jerusalem had rejected Jesus. And because of that rejection, they were doomed. There was a destruction that was coming upon them that was prophesied by the prophet Daniel many hundreds of years earlier. And Jesus is now saying, because you wouldn't listen to me, the enemy will come and they will encircle this city and they'll tear down this temple. The destruction will be enormous. And he breaks down and he cries. You know, it's one thing, especially when we get rejected or when somebody talks ugly to us and we're trying to do the, our, our best for them and, and we try to share the truth with them and their only response is ridicule or to make fun of. It's real easy to have the mindset of, let's see what they get, you know. Uh, so Jesus didn't have that, you're going to hell and I'm kind of glad for it mentality. He knew what was coming and it broke his heart because he loved that city. That place. And so I want us to talk this morning about a place that we need in our life. Where is your place in life? Maybe many of you have memories of home. Home is a... For, now, I know there are exceptions because not everybody has the kind of home life that they should have. But we probably all have places in our lives that stir memories. And one of those places surely is home. I was fortunate. My dad is a preacher, and he has preached in Chester, West Virginia for 46 years. So I was blessed 
to grow up in one place. That's all I know. That's all I remember. And so home holds a, a very special place to me. One of the things that, uh, well, we live right next door to the church building. And when I was growing up, we had this breezeway. You'd come out the side door of the house and there was this breezeway and then there was the garage on the other side of the breezeway and then the church building was on the other side of the garage. I loved that breezeway. Uh, we would sit on there between our football games in the backyard and we would recoup there and we would talk and we would laugh and we would sleep out on that breezeway and, and we'd look as you sat on the breezeway, you'd look up on this hill right there uh, on the other side of the house and and we used to imagine things about how things were and up on the hill. I, I remember all these memories. Well, about ten years ago, the church, because of its growth, decided they needed to do some changes to the building. And what they proposed was to take out the garage and the breezeway. I didn't like that a bit. I, I didn't even live there. I mean, I've been away from there for 25 years but I, you're taking my breezeway? No way. You know, that's still, that's my house. That's where I grew up. And uh, I, I think it's funny because my mom didn't want it. Now you go out the side door of our house and you literally step in the church building. It's, it's that, that way. But they went ahead and took out the breezeway. My mom, when the workers came the day to begin the demolition, she was sitting on the breezeway with a rifle. Waiting for the work. The workers didn't know what to think. They were on the phone saying, what do we do? There's this woman sitting with a gun. But uh, that's the way I felt about it, too. I didn't want to give up that breezeway. Had so many memories. And then you can place me in Chester. And Chester's just a little place, 3,000 people, and, and one main street that goes through it. But there's a place that I remember from... Nine years of walking to school every morning. There's a place called Frank's Pastry. And I had to walk right past Frank's Pastry on the way to school every morning. You could blindfold me, spin me around and drive me for two days and drop me off in Chester, West Virginia in front of Frank's Pastry and I'd know where I was. Isn't it funny how you certain smells you can associate with places? And you, don't, and you know you can remember the, those memories. Home is a very special place to me. Well, it should be. But there's something even better than, than home. And as I look back to Jesus and His association with Jerusalem, I can see how His emotions are stirred. You know, if losing my breezeway at my mom and dad's house was troublesome to me because of the connection that I had, the memories that I had while I was a boy growing up there, I can understand why Jesus, when He thought of what was about to take place, would break down and cry. Because He's not just talking about... He's not talking about a structure. He's talking about people. And how much more would that touch your heart? This past week, talking about a place, from home I got an email from a friend of mine. We were best of friends in high school. Uh, we, he, we 
played ball together and everything, and, and we had a lot of fun together and laughs. And, and we, we graduated from high school, and our paths went different directions. And I had seen him once since we graduated from high school. That was the only contact that I've had with him. But this past week, about three days ago, he sent me an email, and he, it, it just said this, Higgy, I'm dying of cancer. Please pray for my family. After I got that note, it was like 30 years hadn't really happened. I still felt like it was yesterday. And this was all happening to a guy that I felt like no time had passed since we were the best of friends. There, there are places in your life and people in your life that stir emotions. We need a place like that. Our Jerusalem today, I know you have places like home that bring back memories and so forth, but the place that I'm talking about is the church. You need a place in your life. You need a Jerusalem. You need the church. That is a place that we all need in our life. And I'll tell you why we need it, and I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, you need it because you're loved here. The church is a place of love. John or First John chapter four and verse twenty one says, He who loves God must also love his brother. If I'm going to say I want to go to heaven, I love God, then I've got to love you and you have to love me. And and love isn't necessarily an emotional thing, but it's a commitment that we have to each other. I will pursue your best interest, and I trust that you'll pursue mine. And in doing so and having that kind of commitment to each other, that's only going to result in good. Nothing bad will come from that. If I can just get all people in this world to pursue each other's best interests, wouldn't that be a wonderful place in which to live? But that is the place of the church. See, that's the commitment that we've made when we come to God. We say, I'm going to let you be Lord of my life. And as Lord, I understand you mean for me to love my neighbor and to love my fellow Christians. So I'll get down to that business. Church is a place that we need because it's a place of love. John 13 and verse 35, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. There's not enough love in the world. There's too much hatred and anger and bitterness and clamor and strife. But the church is a place that we can get away from all that. Now, I know the church consists of imperfect people, and sometimes we don't do it perfectly, but it's the exception rather than the rule. I've often heard people say, you know, why don't you spend all that money and go to a Christian college? Because there are the same things at a Christian college that there are on any state campus. And that's the truth. There is. But some of those things that ought not be are in the minority and not the majority. And uh, the, the peer pressure may be directed in, a, in another way. Um, but we need a place where we're loved. That place is the church. The people here are going to seek your best. And if you've been here long enough, you know that that's exactly the case. Uh, in spite of our foibles and our shortcomings and so forth from time to time, generally speaking, that's what we're, we're about. We want to help each other. 
we love each other. I need a place like that. I need a place that practices forgiveness because I'm a sinner. And if truth be told, so are you. We, we need a place where somebody can forgive me. Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to see something. As, as Paul writes 1 Corinthians, he deals with a messy situation in the church. There's a man who has taken his father's wife, and it is shameful, shameful. He said the Gentiles don't even behave this way, and here we have it in, in the middle of the church. And you know about it, and you're doing nothing. Paul said that man needs to be punished. Withdraw from him in the presence of all rebuke him and turn him over to Satan if he's going to choose that kind of a lifestyle. Well, by the time Paul, or between the time Paul writes 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, that man repents and he comes back to God. But I want you to notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 6, beginning. This punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man... So that, on the contrary, you ought to rather forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps someone be swallowed up, or such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. I want you to see those three actions that he tells or commands the church to do. He said, listen, this guy has come back. He's repented, and we are so thankful for that. Now's not the time to punish him anymore. That's already been taken care of. Now, what you need to do, he says, is you need to forgive, to comfort, and to reaffirm your love for him. The church is a place where we can receive that. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes. We try to walk with God, and we we stumble along the way. And when we stumble... I need a place where I know I can go and I haven't cut ties, I haven't severed relationships, I have people who still love me, who will still forgive me, and who will reaffirm me. Have you ever seen a child get something sticky on their hands and they try to get rid of it? And like they'll have sticky hands because they've been playing in a jelly jar or something, I don't know, and and they have this, this piece of tape or something or, or a piece of paper and they, they try to get rid of it. They throw it down, it sticks, so they take it off and go like, and it sticks on that hand. And, and it's humorous to watch them go back and forth trying to get that paper off of their hands. I know what their desire is. They desire to be paperless, but it clings to them in spite of their efforts. And that's what sin does to us. When we come to Christ, I know what our desire, I know what your desires are. You want to live holy, righteous lives before God. I, I, I grant you that, and I hope you grant me the same. That's our desire, but I know we don't do it. I know we're trying, but sin clings to us. It, it gets us sometimes, and even though we're trying to get rid of it, it, it sticks to us. What happens when that happens? I need a place that will be patient with me, who will correct me, and help me to get back on the path that I need to be walking on, and who won't 
turn their back on me, but who will reaffirm their love for me. And that's what the church is. It's a place where I can find forgiveness. It's a place where I can find help. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 20. Paul is with the elders at Ephesus. He has kind of met them halfway at a place called Miletus. And this is the last time he's going to see this eldership. He's going on to Jerusalem, and so he calls a meeting with them, and he gives them some final instructions um, as to how he should, they should care for the church at Ephesus. But listen to what he says in verse 35. He said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, fellas, listen. If there's one thing I've tried to get across to you all in the years I've been working with you, it's this. Support the weak. I, we need a place that supports me when I am weak. There are times when your faith is on a mountaintop and you couldn't be any stronger and closer to God. And there are times when events knock you to your knees and you're down here in the valley and you don't know if you can ever get back to where you once were. There are times when you're not sure you believe anymore. There are times due to circumstances that you're confused about God's work in your life and you're not so sure that He's interested in really the affairs that happen to you. The elders, the church, is commissioned to strengthen the weak. I'm glad to know that there is a place that when I get knocked around and beat up, that I can go to and I know that I, I can find help. I won't be ostracized, but I can find help. And there is a place in the church that we... Um, well, it's kind of the proving ground, the, the, the practice field for spiritual development. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3 and verse 21 that we are to give glory to God by Jesus Christ in the church. The church is the place where we work at that mission. It's, it's like uh, guys who get ready to play and before the game, they, they practice. And they've got a practice field and they practice and then they, they move that to the, the real field when game time comes. And God is saying, here's, here's a place where you can put into practice, where you can develop yourselves, where you can learn to get better and do better. It's not a place where we find judgment and condemnation of one another as we're trying to develop and to mature. It's a place where we find patience and long-suffering with each other because we know our motives are pure. We're trying to be more and more like God. Don't you need a place like that? What would life be without a place where you're loved, where you're forgiven, where you're strengthened when you're weak, and when you're, where you're given time and to, to mature? To develop. What would life be like without that? Folks, I just want to encourage you this morning to find your Jerusalem. To make this place a place 
that becomes special to you. The church of Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. It is what He had in His mind before He ever laid the foundation of the world. He had this all worked out. I think it's a pretty good plan. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I would never do anything that would hurt it or that would cause it to to stumble or fumble because of what it is and what it's done for me. I understand the emotions Jesus had as He went back to Jerusalem and looked at that city that was about to be destroyed. And it stirred His emotions. And He wept because He loved that place. I want us to have a place that means so much to us that we get emotional, that we would be greatly disturbed if we learn, learned of its demise. Nothing, a place where nothing is more important. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel, become a member of the Lord's church, and find that place that you need? You'll find here a place that is trying to put into practice all those things that God tells us to be. It's a place that will benefit you and your family, not only here and now, but for eternity. If you've never been baptized into Christ, make that decision this morning. If you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, and and you know you've taken this place for granted, and you want to come back and get started again, and you want to appreciate what you have here. Folks, there are people here who love you and are willing to forgive you. And if you need to respond to the invitation this morning, we invite you to come to the front as we stand together and sing.